Welcome back to the <laughs> Gentleman's Dojo. Oh Stephen B. Good morning. Hi, oh, Gary. How are you? Great. I'm doing good, thank you. Got a very angry email from you. Not really. No. Got a very. Don't treat me like an open micer. <laughs> I'm a comic. I deserve to be treated with respect. Yeah. Well, why don't you read thing? it? Why don't you read it if you're I'll that bitter? It. By the way, I bitter. I said good morning to you this morning, and you said save it for the air. So what <laughs> oh, are you talking about? Yeah, Can't okay. say good morning to you. It was okay. Regis and Kelly. <laughs> Did my email have a subject line? That's all that matters. Um, so I bas- Gary, Gary basically will send me a text message. Hey, are we doing a podcast this week? Are no we response. doing anything? No and response. I have two days at home. Yep. The last, like, three weeks, I've had two two weeks to spend with my family. I get it. I leave my phone away. Of course. And I get this. I get it, but you can deaf respond quick and not treat me like an open mic comic looking for guest sets. We are friends. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, you're missing a huge chunk of this. No, I'm, oh, I'm you're missing. What am I missing? We are friends. Just a quick text back. Sorry things aren't good at home with Jess, but Jesus. <laughs> What, we what, are friends. What, what, you're missing out on one of the key ingredients of that story. Oh, what are the, what's the key ingredient? I was trying to set this podcast up for the last couple of days. Which trying one? to set This one that we're here doing right yep. now. Trying to set it up. No response, no response, no response. Finally, yesterday. This is the one you, time you have to set up. I always set up the podcast. I'm too busy I'm setting always, up guests. Aaron, are you available Monday, Tuesday, whatever? That's not true. Aaron, yeah. who do you mainly get the emails from? Asking if the studio's available, and be honest. What, the last three or four weeks? Probably Gary, because I've been busy. The last three or four. What are you talking yeah. about? By the way, yeah. I almost wish... You, you contribute as much as Keen does. I almost... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I almost wish you didn't have shit going on. You were much nicer back then. Now, here's the deal. Oh. You are missing a key ingredient to this story. Been asking oh, you if you God. wanted to set up this podcast, correct or not correct, no response. By the way, I also ask numerous times, why don't we all get together... Me, you, and Patrick have a meeting. Let's no, go for hold guests. On, hold on, hold on. Here, here, here's the thing. Okay, you say let's meet up. Let's talk about. Let's talk about. I've set four of those. Okay, we met. We met at Taste Chicago, did we not? For lunch, and then we were on the road. We met for lunch, all three of us, and we wrote down all these things. And then I went out, and I got a bunch of my friends, and then you got uh, Gene Kelly's author. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because you got my mechanic. But That's then I right. will tell you. <laughs> That guy will tell you how to not get scammed. Okay. Um, but here's the deal. Yes, what? The reason I got upset was uh-huh. this. The yes. reason I got upset was yeah. because. Okay. Here's the yes. thing. Okay. I was trying to get us to do this podcast. We're that, doing it. Exactly. But no response. Then all of a sudden, here's what you wrote to me. Doing a podcast tomorrow at 10 a.m., do you want to join? Because you said over the weekend. <laughs> do you want to join? No, 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 no. Why don't you tell everybody what happened to you this weekend? I will. Because I, I didn't know that you were going to be home. <laughs> you knew I was going to be home because I texted you from the plane no. when I was flying back from Orlando saying that this is what happened. I'm home all next week. I didn't, this know, is true. If you, I didn't know if you were going to be able to come in. I didn't know if you were going to make your flight. I didn't know what was going to happen because you yes, are you, – you act like an open mic comic. Here's what an open mic comic does. My friend is headlining a cruise. Mm-hmm. I'll go crash with him for the week and not even perform. That's what an open mic would do. No, 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 no. I was uh, a headliner would be like a headliner would be like, well, I'm gonna go find my own gig. Not Gary Cannon. Uh uh-uh. uh. Can I crash in your cabin <laughs> and eat from the uh I'm sure the buffet that all the workers eat at. 
So I I told you for a fact I was home. Why don't you I, tell everybody what happened to you? I will, but I I, I, I told you I was flying home, and then you said to me, doing a podcast tomorrow at 10 a.m., you want to join, as though I was being offered a guest spot on your podcast. I didn't know if you were going to be around. I don't know if you were going to be too tired. I was like, I'll just come in and do it all on my lonesome, because you've done some on your lonesome, right? You, wait, did you have a guest lined up for today? You were just going to talk for 30 minutes? I was going to talk for 30 minutes, Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. About what? Well, I have a lot of. <laughs> I was going to explain to everybody why I've been in and out lately. Yeah, because we haven't addressed it, and why I may be in and out the next few weeks and definitely the next few months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll be. Uh, I'm still part of the dojo. I'm still um, coming in, but my bandwidth is definitely stretched a little thin as of late. And look, I am a headline. I've never been on Gig Masters. Uh, have I ever been on Gig Masters? <laughs> I've never been on Gig Masters. So. Um, there's something that rings true to your text message. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just read it one more time just in case anybody didn't. Is this going to be the new gig masters? I get it. <laughs> but you can deaf respond. And deaf respond means definitely. Definitely, of course. Yeah, for those of us that aren't in our 20s. Yeah. But I, I would just write the whole thing out because mm-hmm. I'm 43. But you're 52. Um, I get it, but you can deaf respond quick and not treat me like an open mic comic looking for guest sets. Yeah. We are friends. Yeah. Okay. It must have hit a chord. You sent me an email apologizing a few times. Uh, oh, a no, few no, times. no, no, no. A few times. Does it kill you to apologize? I, I said it. Yeah, multiple times. So okay. now I'm addressing so, it to you. So here we go. Let's yeah. explain everybody. Why I wasn't even going to be here. Why don't you explain everybody why you weren't going to be here? Great. Okay, so here's the deal. And welcome back. I miss having you. I miss seeing you. We are friends. You no. can bully me around. And, bully. And, and throw your dick around like you're the headliner. Okay. But let's be fair. I've seen your schedule. You're doing McCurdy's in Sarasota. Knock the shit off. Here's the deal. You who room? <laughs> I got a headline date at Flapper's main room Ooh. in August if you want to come up host for me. I was just flying this room. weekend. And, you know, as someone, I I always fly coach. If I get upgraded, which is 90% of the time, I, I get upgraded. But yep. the only difference between first class and coach for me is – Nothing really, because my hat goes over my head. You've seen me. I, You're I out. sleep. I I pass out every time. So, so I was in coach's time, and this woman, this the flight attendant came over, and she tapped tapped my seat. She said, "You got to put your seat up." I said, "Oh, okay." And I, I hadn't even touched the seat. I know you don't recline it before the flight takes off. So, I had it up, and uh, it went back maybe like ten millimeters. So we're about to take off. She comes over again, hits the seat. Put the seat up, please. I go. Uh, I'm, I go. I'm sorry, Miss. By the way, I just haven't touched it. I think it's the seat. She right. Goes, she goes. That's great. Seat up, please. I was like, oh, okay. So we're up in the air. I put the hat down. I'm out like a light. I didn't even have time to put my seat back because I was asleep. And we're descending, I guess. And all of a sudden, I hear. <laughs> but it's like this. Just banging your seat. Yeah. And I'm. And I'm like waking up, and I realize, oh, it's this. It's a steward. It's this flight attendant. Yeah. And then I look up. She goes, seat up, please. I go, miss. I, she goes, seat up, please. I go, miss, I got to tell you, you make flying glamorous again. <laughs> 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 and the two other guys next to me were both laughing. Uh-huh. But it's so true. It's just like, you know, flying used to be a glamorous thing. But again, it's, it's that you're just a bunch of cattle. I don't give a shit. Get on with it. You know, it's like, lady, this isn't pre- preschool and you're the substitute teacher. Right. Just chill the fuck out. You well, know? did you see the video of that woman on the Delta flight? 
Did you see that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, she yeah. said you might may not have a job tomorrow, Tabitha. Yeah, that's a that's a bit much. You that was a say, bit much. Yeah, because there's there's the way to go, right? You can get angry, you stupid fuck bitch, or you come up with something ironic and sarcastic and. To get your point across, it's like you make flying glamorous again. It's like you're not going to get kicked off a plane for that. She's probably more insulted by that. And because 100 people insult her over the course of two weeks, they all, you know, snide looks, communicating without communicating. What a bitch. You're a jerk. Or, you you know, you could be nice at least, you know. But if you just, I guarantee she'll remember that line for the next 25 years of her life. Well, it, it's funny because so that woman who said you may not have a job tomorrow. Yeah. The flight attendant, if you heard it immediately, was like, I want her off the plane. And then the woman was apologizing very quickly, but you could tell in a very sarcastic, shitty tone that you know once the flight landed, she was going to basically go back up to that flight attendant and be like, you're a piece of shit, you know, F you, F you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But by the way, uh, there was a woman. Do you think she should have gotten put on probation from her job? Because that's like the big issue now. It's like somebody captures you in a raw moment, your emotions are well, going crazy. Well, it's because crazy. she tethered herself to the government in New York State, and That's that right. that has ramifications. You can't, like, publicly declare I work for the governor, governor or whatever when she works in, like, the art department or, like, yeah. in terms of, like, the, raising funds The for, Council of Arts. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, you can't, you know. Well, it's interesting because I, in the reason, so we have a guest on in a couple of weeks. She wrote a book called Shame Nation. Mm-hmm. Her name is Sue Chef. And basically Sue has been on the news the last couple of days talking about this whole situation. Yeah. And the book basically describes how people are just, and I think this will be funny for us, mm-hmm. just internet trolls that basically go on yeah. and just shit on people because it's easy to be behind a computer and not have the facial contact with somebody. Yeah. Almost like, the, remember the Sarah Silverman thing where... Somebody called Sarah Silverman, I think they called her a bitch or a cunt or something like that, and she tracked down the guy and said, why are you so angry? And it went back and forth, and it turned out he had all these health issues. Did you hear about this? No. Okay, so basically that's what happened, but the whole book of this Shame Nation goes into detail about you know why people feel like they can sit behind a computer and just – and listen, I think we're all guilty of it. You know, I I basically – heard that the Harry Connick Jr. daytime talk show got canceled, and I sent the link that it got canceled to Harry Connick. <laughs> wow. Wow. What was that? What was I, that? I, I heard he's not well, a nice guy. Yeah, so I, I wanted to make sure that he knew his show got canceled. <laughs> wow. But, wow. I was copied that a, and pasted that a from Deadline. Okay. No. Ooh. No. Ooh. I know people that work on a show say he's just a pain in the ass. And, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I've, I've told you the story many times about – Ellen, when she pulls out of the Warner Brothers lot and makes the left turn, that all traffic stops, that they yeah. won't let anybody make the walk across the street. Yeah. And one time I saw her doing it, and I was standing with a bunch of Ellen employees. Mm-hmm. We're all goofing, laughing, and here she comes. And I said, hey, everybody, look. Here comes royalty. And the Ellen employees couldn't have distanced themselves any further. Yeah. They quickly started moving to the left like, this asshole's not going to get us fired. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there are certain times where I think – Listen, you know, do you want to go on Twitter and call the Kardashians no talent pieces of shit? Sure. Yeah. What good's it going to do you, right? Right. But I do think that there are times where, you know, you do remember when you got into it a little bit with Steve Harvey. It's kind of that whole yeah. realm of there's certain things that just bother you. But but I do think the yeah. airline industry getting back to that is just it's one of the worst oh, industries that we deal with today. Yeah. One of the worst. I just had a thing with plated or not plated um uh, Postmates, mm. where I ordered something, and 
it kept saying, you're, you know, you're, you're, this is after a show. So it's like 1230 at night, right? And then it's like, delivery will be there at 130. Then it'll be there at 230. And then I look on online and it's like, well, the place is closed. So this is not coming, obviously. So I tried to get in touch with somebody from play or from uh, Postmates so I don't get charged. And they, they don't have like a customer service thing you can email or call them at. Like at least Uber Eats does. So Postmates, they have this thing where I took a picture of it. I, I, I don't have time to find it, but it said, um, it says contact customer service, right? So you click the link and then this is what it says. Our customer service is available 24-7 for you. So you click on it thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to, this is the link that takes me to customer service. You click the link. It says we're available 24-7. Makes no fucking sense. So I shit on them on Twitter. They got back to me right wow, away. Wow, really? Yeah, and I and I got into it with this uh, this back and forth with this person. I'm here to help you. I'm here to facilitate. Um, just so you know, do you guys have con uh, customer service? Of course you do. How come you don't have it on your website, but it's here on social media? This is where we c keep in touch with people. So they're using the platform of Twitter instead of setting up their own, you know, customer service line, which it's just it's saving them money. I guess right. in some way and and saving face. So it just it, it's I will ridiculous. say I will say I've ordered Uber Eats and they're pretty good if there's a problem they'll correct it and yeah. give you a, a refund or, or a you credit. email them right away. Yeah. But this Postmates was it, it literally was like an hour and a half of me tracking these people down that I, I shit on them on Twitter and then then they got back to me. So it it sucks that they don't make it accessible. But if you dump on them publicly, they're quickly to, to be there. Go hey, what's going on? Let's fix it. It's well. Like, it, here's what's interesting. It's funny because, you know, my wife or my mom or other people will kind of get mad at me for being a little too aggressive with things or, you know, raising my voice. But I say to them, and I think you're the same way, yeah. if it wasn't for people raising their voice and confronting these people, it would be status quo. And I'm not saying what we're doing is changing it except for in that moment. But you just got to call people out on their no, bullshit. I don't think it's like I, – I, I think it's so many people are willing to put up with it. Yeah. And it's like – I'm not going to because I work hard for my money and I can choose to spend it here or somewhere else. And if you if you if I walk into a restaurant and the hostess doesn't greet me within, you know, two or three minutes, I get it. They might be busy. But if somebody's not at that front, I'm walking out the door. Right. And my wife would be like, why are we leaving? It's like, why not? There's nobody here to seat us or if somebody seats you at the at the table and a waiter doesn't come over within five minutes. I get the fuck up. Yeah. It's like I'm here to give you money. I'm here to get get a service, and there's a transaction here. And if you feel that it's not important to your business, then fuck it. This is a shitty business. I'm I'm out of here, and I do it constantly with my. I wife. told you I told you that story where about a year ago I was flying from New York back to L.A. and I had like a two two o'clock flight. Wanted to switch to eleven o'clock. Yeah. And if I wanted to get the 11 o'clock flight, just booking it on my own was 150 bucks. And I remember calling the airline, American, to switch it. And yeah. they're like, it's a $200 change fee. I'm like, well, why would I do that? It's 150 if I just book it on my own. Yeah. They're like, well, that's that's the deal. And I was like, well, that's not an answer. Like, that's not. So the woman puts me on hold for like 20 minutes. She's like, I got great news for you. I can get you the change fee for 180 And I'm like, but I can still get the <laughs> ticket for it. And that's when I said, could you send me your address? And she's like, yeah. why? And I was like. I want to send you a gift for taking such good care of me. And they just don't, I think they're just confused. They're blindsided, <laughs> yeah. but it really is. It's, it's a shitty industry. But the thing is, if you expect any more from it than it is, then shame on you because you know, it's like, it's so bad yeah. that you can't, you know, and even the woman who was bitching about the kid on Delta, it's like, Hey, listen, there's shitty people on this flight all day long. If it's yeah. not to your liking, 
there's private jets that you can you can take. You can go on a, your car. Yeah. Like we all get it. It's you know how many experiences have we had flying all the time yeah. that there's nothing you can do. But nobody feels worse about a rowdy kid than the actual mom. Of course. Nine of course. times out of ten. Yeah, every now and then you'll get the mom. It's like, I don't give a shit. I'm on my phone, and the kid's going to do whatever. But nine times out of ten, the mom is like, I'm sorry. You know, I've been through it before with, you know, when I flew with Livy. But, uh, okay, so let's get into this. So um, I've been kind of in and out yeah. of the dojo lately because I have this amazing Jonathan documentary coming out, and I've had a lot of work to do. With that, so we have this amazing Jonathan doc. It's premiering. It's having its world premiere at uh, Just for Laughs in Vancouver. Uh, basically, you know, started a year ago. Heard that Jonathan was making a uh, return to stage. And just a little backstory, he had a year. He was given a year to live three and a half years ago. And we've had him on the podcast. It was a great interview. At that time, I had no idea I was going to do this. And so Joel Osborne, who's been on the podcast, he and I, I had just finished writing a feature film. And I was like, I want to write something again. And I talked to Joel and we we're talking about all his escapades he had with Jonathan. It's really like Rick and Morty, that, uh, that cartoon. And I was like, this is, there's so many great stories here, Joel. And there's so much heart and a lot of tenderness and a fraternal relationship. Let's write it together. So he said, it's great. So he's going to fly out here. And this was in November of last year. He was coming out here, and I had a meeting with my agent. He said, uh, I said, you know, Jonathan's going back on stage. He's going to return to stage, and Joel's going to go on, on stage with him, and I, I'm going to write this screenplay. I'm going to interview him. He goes, why don't you just do a doc about, about them and Jonathan's return? I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. So got the cameras, called up Dallas, and within two months, we filmed essentially the film. Um, Jonathan's return to stage. We had no idea what was going to happen. He could have died. Half his heart is working. The other half is completely dead. Um, and Jonathan's very frantic on stage and very energetic. And we just didn't know if he was going to, if his heart rate was going to spike from being on stage and give out. We, we just had no clue. So we filmed it, got a lot of great interviews, David Copperfield, Penn Gillette, and basically spent the next probably 10 months editing it and finally got it into shape, had a great finishing editor, uh, Brian Getz, who did Get Me Roger Stone, and Sarah Gibson, who produced like LA 92 and a ton of great documentaries. Uh, she was there to consult us, and we submitted to a bunch of festivals. We're still waiting to hear back from some, but JFL Vancouver, it's their first year of doing a film festival at Just for Laughs, and so not only are we doing it, but we got, we got honored by being the closing film on oh, Saturday wow. night. So. Jonathan, Joel, and myself are going to fly up there for a Q&A. So if you live in the Vancouver area, if you're going to be there, definitely come and check out this documentary. It's, it's great. It's not going to be what you think it is. Jonathan is, uh, as you know, the Freddy Krueger of comedy, but there's a lot of heart behind it. I think what's interesting about it, just setting up the story, is yeah. that Joel was a very young, young kid who was a fan of Jonathan's for a long time. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. He went to go see him a couple of times. His father took him to go see him a couple of times. And then Jonathan was just like, why is this kid kind of chasing me down and following me around? And you know, back then there was no internet. He was sending him fan letters just through snail mail. Yeah. And, you know, eventually he said, hey, here's my number. Call me. This was years later. And then he asked Joel, hey, come to the United States and come work with me and help me out and all this other stuff. Yeah. And it's amazing that <laughs> that Joel went from being this young teenage pimply faced kid as a fan to now their relationship of being great friends. That's yeah. what's great. It, it's such a it's such a unique story. That'd be like if you 
had this idol that you looked at constantly, and now you're hanging out at their house and touring. And Harry, <laughs> I got to post that again just so he knows the show got broomed. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it is like be careful who, who your idols are. You might end up working for him, and that was yeah. one of the things Joel said in the film. Um, and there's what one of my favorite moments, which I don't want to spoil, but like there's this great picture of Joel and Jonathan with Joel as a young kid and, and yeah. Jonathan much younger, like just posing. And then years later, that same kind of still shot of just yeah. them being together. It's great. Them, them being together. But, but yeah, I mean, had jo you known John of Jonathan though before? Like, I mean, you obviously knew him as a comic, but like, were, had you, you hadn't even met him before up until no, that point. I had met him. Uh, I had opened for him years oh. ago at Charlie Goodnights. That's how we all initially met. Mm. And I met Joel obviously before the show. I was like, who's playing Oasis during the pre-show? And he's like, Oh, that was, that was me. I'm like, I Love Oasis, so we're trading bootlegs and everything. We hung out that weekend, had a great time. My first TV show was BET's Comic View, and I crashed at Jonathan's house for a week um, in in Malibu or in uh, Marina Del Rey, and just hung out with those guys. And they showed me around and everything. And Jonathan's always been kind to me, and Joel being there. But but Jonathan has been a, a drug user all his life, and and still is. Ad, admittedly, he's very open about it. And when you're headlining in Vegas for a drug addict i mean what what better place to be i guess or worse place to be considering uh how you view the situation but um jonathan got dark in those vegas years and joel is the one that jonathan admits kept him alive and uh if not for joel jonathan maybe may have already died you know years ago so th there's this immense bond between these two really kind of polar opposites i mean joel doesn't drink he's not a woman chaser like he's no. just like this he very an australian clark kent oh my gosh just yeah. a good guy he does like tai, tai chi and he's always <laughs> meditating and finding balance in life and jonathan's like this rock star who's doing blow and banging hookers and cocktail waitresses the weekend and... i first met him was in phoenix when you and i got into that knockout drag out with yeah. the uber and i remember going back to the condo and i said fuck it i'm leaving i'm leaving joel's like it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and he's like, just sleep it off. And even when we went to dinner the last time I saw him before Joel flew back to Australia, yeah. like Joel is like, you know, feeding me, like putting rice on my plate. I was like, could this guy be any goddamn sweeter? Like could I would marry nicer. this guy. Yeah. And I it's think so that's sweet. one of the things that'll come across when folks watch the doc is when you, when Joel first comes on screen, you're like, look, I, anytime you're watching something, a film, a television show, a talk show, and you see somebody, it's like, I'd like to sit down with this person for the next hour and a half. And that's what it kind of is. It's, it's getting to know Joel. It's getting to know Jonathan. They're both really just good guys at the end of the day. But Joel especially just gives off this great kind of positive vibe. And he's a, he's a very caring, he's almost like maternal towards, towards Jonathan. Um, but there's, there's so much to the story, and I'm really proud of the work we accomplished and the fact that we did it within a year's time frame because we knew the story. I know there's people that say it takes a long time to make a doc. Well, it does if you don't know what the story is or you're filming waiting for a story to happen. I knew the story uh, because I've been privy to Jonathan and Joel's relationship. So this thing's going to premiere. Hopefully we'll get it acquired somewhere and it'll end up on a platform. And then I, two years ago, I started writing a feature film which you know, you don't. I don't think you read it, right? I did read it. And I read, read it in it. Sacramento. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, we did the reading, right? Yeah, with Gareth. Yeah. So a lot's changed since then, even. But uh, I spent the last two years writing a feature about my early years in stand-up and every comic's decision to pursue their bliss. 
or go the safe corporate route. And took a lot of stories from my real life um, and incorporated them into this script. And I've been developing it with Vince Vaughn. And so we finally are in the stages where this is going to, looks like it's going to happen. So I'm going to be directing a feature that I wrote and um, it looks like we might be filming in May. So, you know, I've been in and out because the days I'm home and even when I'm on the road, I'm constantly fine tuning this thing and working on it. So we'll be able to tell you more about that along the way. But, uh, but as far as the dojo is concerned, this is why I've been in and out. Uh, well, there are times where, you, I mean, literally, I, listen, I mean, I, I hate saying this, but you, you are right. one of the hardest working guys that I know. You are. Yeah, you are. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, I mean, you're on the road this all the time. The when you're in town, you're working at the comedy store, you're running yeah. through your bits. But, I mean, there were times when you were putting the doc together where you and a bunch of people have to go to Vegas for the day to get one quick little interview, yeah. whatever it took. And, you know, listen, I know that's got to be difficult leaving your wife and kids behind even for the day well, even when you're home Two weeks ago for... when we found out we got into Just for Last Vancouver, I flew home Sunday, got in the car first thing Monday morning, drove to Jonathan's house, got the original HBO special with John Candy, got his, these are master tapes, uh, his Letterman spe uh, appearance, two Comedy Central specials, Just for Laughs, and a bunch of his ruckus television shows. I got the master tapes because we had ripped them from the web, right? So a lot of documentaries do that. You can tell when the pixelation is a little grainier. But we, JFL had an issue with that, so I literally drove the next day, got the tapes because I couldn't trust Jonathan to send them to me because he just picked tapes and sent them to me. It's like, I need specifically these. Right. And it took me probably an hour and a half to find the actual masters because you've got this, this, this library of all these old tapes. And then drive right back, yeah. get it to the conversion place, and then the next day get on a plane. And, and so it's been that constantly. Just every week there's something that bubbles up. So, you know, on air I do apologize. In email I did apologize. But I appreciate all the work you put into the dojo. I enjoy doing the dojo. Uh, it's nope. a great time doing the dojo. And then obviously seeing all the things that ATC is doing to help We're support in a brand new studio. the – uh, all the all the comics, of course, you know, the, it, it just invigorates kind of, uh, I think, the artists and the comics, and it gives you almost a second wind or more enthusiasm to make the podcast even that much better. And I think we will start using all the facilities here in terms of, you know, streaming them so so the viewers can see us. Um, but yeah, so I, that's why I've been in and out. So, you know, even the other day, I, I just, you know, I, I know I have a day and a half with the kids. I, I shut my phone off. I throw. I put my laptop off to the side. I'm like, I got everything done. I just want to spend time with the kids. And, and that's been it, you know? It's interesting because I remember you and I worked somewhere together, and I got home Sunday. We both did. Yeah. And I just remember like, oh, my gosh, I, this feels so great. And I remember thinking you were hopping back on a plane like Tuesday. And I said to my wife, I was like, I don't know how the hell he does it. Like, it's not like these are our flights. Like, these are just, and we both know airport travel. You don't live close to the airport. You got to get down yeah. there. Like, everything is just a huge pain in the it ass. It cost me as much to Uber back and forth to the airport from Pasadena as it does a flight to San Francisco, Portland, or Seattle. It's, it's crazy. 300 bucks. I mean, it, it's nuts that I'll spend 300 bucks to travel, you know, 45 minutes each way in a car and then spend that to fly a two and a half hour flight, but it, it just, it's wearing on you and it, and it's tiresome, but it is the gig. 
It's what we signed up for all those years ago. I'm not complaining about it. I love the work, and I'm also grinding so hard on the road because I'm going to get ready to film a new hour in um in the fall in New York City. So oh wow, that's this fall. There you're. Oh yeah. wow, wow. So that's why I've been putting the pedal to the metal and to. Uh, <laughs> Go back to what had happened with Argus at the Comedy Store, which you oh, brought yeah, up yeah, yeah. to embarrass me about, but I don't think it's <laughs> that embarrassing. Argus Hamilton. Okay, so I have a concept for an hour that I don't want to talk about right now, but I will be filming it, and it's going to be very different. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do anything like this. A big part of it is is doing monologue jokes. And I work at the Comedy Store. There's this great comedian named Argus Hamilton who at one time had the record for most appearances on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Old school guy. Very old school. Classic, classic joke writer. How old would you say he is? Argus has got to be in his 40s. No, um, <laughs> he's got to be in his in his probably mid-60s, yeah. maybe early 60s, but he partied a lot. Yeah. And he's sober now. And I'm He leads you, AA meetings now. He he's leads great. AA meetings. Couldn't be a nicer guy. Yep. Couldn't be more talented, and he's somebody I, I really appreciate his talent. So when I wanted to do some monologue jokes, I, I asked him, hey, could I sit down with you at the store when you have time? Because we tag team each other a lot. He's 915, I'm 930, or vice versa. And we've gotten to know each other over the years. So I bring him ideas. I say, hey, how do you think I could punch this up and just streamline it into a monologue-style joke? And he's like, let me help you out with this, and then take a look at these, too, because I've, I've got all these jokes, and so a lot of these are evergreen, and if you feel like you could use them, use them. I'm like, oh, God, are you kidding me? I'd be honored. It's like you know, Oasis saying, hey, I don't want to do Wonderwall anymore. Why don't you take this? Right. It's never been on the radio because I've been sober and I don't have the opportunities, but, but take a look. So, so – I've been working on all these monologue jokes for the last few months, and it started with probably 30 minutes of monologue jokes, just seeing what works, what doesn't, grouping them together, et cetera, et cetera. And so I worked with Argus Hamilton at the La Jolla Comedy Store, as you know, and right. Aaron was there. And great show, great crowds, and Argus is up before me, right. and then I go up after him. You're not in the room when Argus is. I'm not is in the room. It was on. the one show I wasn't in the room right. because I usually track it, and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I know which ones he's doing. <laughs> and I go up and do this do this joke, and then he had done the joke earlier, right. and I was, of course, you're embarrassed by it, but it's also like Argus. You know, it's not Argus's responsibility to know what he's saying to appease me. It's my responsibility because he's the one helping me out right. in that situation. So so this audience heard a joke a, a second time. And then to put, add insult to injury, I had done a joke later on in my act that was very similar to something that one of the La Jolla uh, opening acts had, yeah. had used. And it was, it, you know... Like parallel thinking. It was parallel thinking. But the odds of right. the headliner having a joke from the feature and... From the MC is it's astronaut. Right. I, I should have played the lottery that day, right? But also, I did preface my monologue with saying, "Hey, Argus has been helping me. He's been very instrumental in this." So when it did happen, I think that might have softened the blow in terms of people like, "What the fuck happened there?" But uh, but look, it, I'm very proud of the work Argus and I've done. I'm proud of the work that I've done, and I think this um. I know everybody, when you're doing these hour specials, you think, oh, this is the best work I've ever done. In the past, I had to change my thinking with this new one because the the past four, I've done them all the same way. I go out, I write what I think is funny, I fine tune it, I spend two years, two and a half years working on it, and then I go present it and I, I, I film it. 
and none of them have resonated. None of them have done well. None of them have done great. Uh, I've done well enough to stay a headliner and be at the clubs and be respectable and have people come out, but it's not like Sigour. It's not like Sebastian where their special permeates and people right. are like, I, I, this says something to me. I, I can relate to what this person is communicating. I will pay money to go see them live. I haven't crossed that threshold yet. So I was just thinking, what am I doing wrong? So the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. So I just thought, okay, well, I'm doing the same thing over and over again with four specials. Let's change it up with this fifth one. So this fifth one, I've changed the way I'm writing. I'm changing um, my, my, my less, being less prideful and saying, you know what, maybe I could use a little help. And reaching out to friends who are established and saying, what do you think of this bit? How can I make this better? And them giving me a tag or making me or spurring me on to think, oh, that's a great idea. That can make that joke stronger. Thank you very much. It, just having some, some outsider's perspective sometimes on these jokes has made these jokes even better. And there's jokes that are still being worked on, like when you guys were in La Jolla, that are you know, in its infant stage that it's like, okay, there's something here. And then there's other jokes where it's like, okay, this is definitely not going anywhere. But I have the core of it. And even like two weeks ago, I, I came up with a, a kernel of an idea. I took it to stage that night. It fucking killed out of the gates. And I've been working hard on a lot of other things. And then to, every now and then, I think in every special, you get one or two of those where you just think of something you're like, oh, fuck, this hits home and there's a message behind it which is important too because the other things I've done it's um you're just doing jokes on like a surface level but I found that if you if there's some intention behind it if there's some gravity behind the if there's a purpose behind the joke that people can relate to then that gets people applauding at the setup you know I'm, I'm doing this joke now and I don't want to talk about it but it's just like I'm given the setup and you see people clapping just for the setup and then you reveal the punchline and then it's fucking lights out. Right. It's, it's a great thing to see and it's a great thing to be a part of. So this new one, this fifth one, I feel like it's taken me 20 years to finally get to a point where it's like, I think I know what I'm doing now. And I think that this is all coming together at least for this one. And we'll see what happens after that. But this one I'm definitely really proud of and uh, I cannot wait to film this one. And it's still getting better. And, and by the way, I, you're filming it in November uh, back in New York. Um, yeah. Anything you need to ask me in terms of, you know, hey, how, how can I get this crowd even better? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I do you... have a question for you, actually. Go ahead. Um, let's make sure your confirmation for Norwegians is uh, <laughs> is locked up for November. You'll be, you'll be out of town. You'll be overseas. No, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, we, we, well, we talked about that, possibly doing another... USO tour later this year. We're, we are uh, in the midst of uh, communicating with the USO. That'd yes. be great. We'll another we would, one of those. Too. We would absolutely love to do it. But is, is there anything you'd like to ask me about November no. and being in New York for your special? Not really. Okay. Um, You're going to figure it out on your own? Pretty much. You'll be calling. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. You and Orny. You need me. You, <laughs> you need me. You need me. By the way, I love Orny Adams. I, so do I. What a nice guy. I, I write him on, on Twitter. And he's such a good dude. Which is funny because it was two months ago where you're like, hey, thanks for talking. Fuck up. Oh thanks my for God. talking and defending me on, on TV. And you're like, fuck you. I am a fucking moron. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. And I'm glad we cleared that up on the air, too. That was pretty funny. So that that is why you've been in and out. It's you've why been I've been in and out. Jonathan so, Doc and 
Yeah, and I want to explain to the to the loyal listeners that we've had. I've I've seen a lot of people posting on and uh and I just want to thank the folks for Yeah. You want to come in, Mark? Is it locked? Is it locked? It should be open. Should be open, yeah. I'll get it. Okay. But that's the thing. I, I want to um, apologize to everybody for being in and out of the podcast lately, but um, I will be in a lot more than I am out. Um, we do have somebody. Do we have another? Do you want to share a mic real quick? Mark, do you just want to? We're, we're wrapping up here right now, yeah. but you want to? Yeah, I, I just want to say, Steve, I know the international sign for open the door. <laughs> and when it's, he was giving was me it the locked? sign. It was locked. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, but you kept doing the open the door. And open I'm like, it. I'm trying to open, open the it. handle. <laughs> and I'm like, I know how a door works. <laughs> how are you boys? Happy uh, Good. Happy it's great year. to see you. Mark Ellis is joining yeah. us. Mark joined us quite a bit early on yeah. with, uh, you know, summer movie previews, fall movie previews. And we are just wondering. Yeah. Um, now that we got what here. do we have coming up in the summer that we should be excited about that, that because we are on the brink of May, May's coming up and I know you are the movie guru. You love movies as much as I do. What is on the horizon that is going to blow our, our socks off? Well, the first thing is a uh, Mark Ellis full appearance on the gentleman's dojo. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to rock here, boys. And yeah. then you said the summer's about to start in May. It doesn't start with May anymore, Steve. This is not like when we were kids and we wait for summer to get out and school's out and we can go see yeah. good movies. Listen to the lineup in March. The first weekend of March is A Wrinkle in Time. The next weekend is Tomb Raider. The next weekend is Pacific Rim Uprising. The next weekend is Ready Player One. Jesus. Those are four blockbuster movies in four weeks in March. And if you've wow. not seen the Ready Player One trailer, it's directed by Steven Spielberg. It's all based on this novel about video games and 80s nostalgia. And yes, the trailer has Van Halen's jump in it. <laughs> and it is so well utilized, you're going to love it. Yeah, I, I, I saw the trailer. It looks awesome. He rides around in the DeLorean. You see the Iron Giant in it. Freddy Krueger's in it. It looks pretty sick. A Wrinkle in Time, I got to tell you, I've seen the adverts not excited. And this is something that I, I would normally be excited. It's Disney. Disney doesn't make bad movies. Even The Lone Ranger, people shit on it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm not excited to see it. They haven't shown me anything in the trailer that makes me go, I got to check it out. Other than Oprah looks like she's running for the Hunger Games president in 2020. <laughs> what? Why should I be inspired to see A Wrinkle in Time? I mean, The Wrinkle, it's not, it's, it's not a movie that you get the, the bros over for a few beers and like, <laughs> yeah, let's get drunk and see what Reese Witherspoon's magical elf is up to. But, I mean, I think it's going to be a great family movie and okay. it, it, it will make a lot of money. It's got the Disney uh, lore attached to it, mm -hmm. so I think it's going to do well. But you said something else that's very interesting. The door works again. You, you, you push it down <laughs> because after hearing you like The Lone Ranger, I just want to leave this really? studio as fast I thought as it was possible. A, tell me you didn't get a little bit of goosebumps when you heard the theme kick in an hour and 45 minutes into the film. It, that's the thing. It was too late. <laughs> it was a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of buildup. Steve, I, if I, I go it. to a Loverboy concert, which I might have done, <laughs> you're going to have to play working for the weekend in the first half of the set yeah. or I'm leaving. Yeah, or okay. I'm, I'm not waiting two hours to hear the... <laughs> Now, um, that's that's why when whenever I'm around you, within five minutes, I want to hear, Steve, just give me the car Carfax. <laughs> just give me the Carfax. You know, he did a Carfax commercial. He had to talk to the Fox. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think oh. I'm the only one that... I was, Am I, I was, the only one that continues to bring that up? I, you're not, unfortunately. <laughs> I was I was on the cutting edge of digital technology <laughs> of a revolution, and and it's because the first uh, run of commercials that we did with the Car Fox were the Puppet Car Fox, ah. and then the last one I did 
was he was uh, he was CGI. <laughs> so it was it was literally like I went from the original Star Wars trilogy to the prequels all in one fell swoop. All That's the, the yeah. magic. <laughs> That's that the a magic Mark of Ellis. Ellis brings to the table that and an empty tub of red vines. Now, I I want I, I want to ask you, um, Shmozno, obviously. That's uh, I've been watching you guys. I've been going down the rabbit hole lately with a lot of the videos. Um, what is what is coming up though? True blockbuster fashion in the summer. I, I mean, obviously, Infinity Wars. Mm-hmm. What is the word on the street that you've heard on Infinity Wars? Infinity War. I mean, if Black Panther's any indication, it could break box office records. I mean, it's incredible what Black Panther was able to do. Yeah. And when you look at that as just giving us a great emotional setup, because Thor Ragnarok was great. It had a lot of comedy in it, and it wasn't quite as deep much, as some people wanted. And, yeah. and I've heard that from a lot of people. So now you have Black Panther, which has some humor, but a very deep core to it. I think you're going to get more of that with Infinity War. And then later on in May, you're going to have Deadpool 2 that comes out two weeks after that. And then May 25th, to celebrate the 41st anniversary of the original release of Star Wars, is the Han Solo movie, which I got to tell you, it's been a lot of things on set about that movie, switching directors, reshoots, all that stuff. I thought the trailer looked great. The trailer, uh, you know, I, I read all that stuff too, like Disney's preparing for a bomb and all this stuff. And you see the trailer, you're like, oh my God. Looks awesome. Well, Mar- uh, Ellis. I'd like to ask about one movie that you failed to mention, a sequel coming out in March. What is it? Remember the, uh, a scary movie sequel? Oh, uh, the Strangers. Yeah. 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 You didn't like that movie, correct? Like it, no. With Liv Tyler? No. Loved it. I absolutely loved it. What do you think of the new one coming out? Um, I'm, I'm into it. I want to see just the head bob in and then bob out. That's what I love about The Strangers. I love the, hey, what's up? Hey, yeah. I'm not here anymore. I don't want to see them on a swing or on a lawnmower. I just want to see that creepy one shot in, out. The guy in the potato sack. Yeah. <laughs> so great, so great. Steve, before we wrap up, I need to give a shout out to some of our fans. Oh, boy, here we go. Uh, this is great. This won't take long. It just won. Farad? Yep. Uh, <laughs> no, I just want to give a big shout out to uh, some of our fans who have sent T-shirts uh, I've sent t-shirts out yes, to that have. have been kind enough to wear them and post them on Twitter. Uh, Leslie Willie, Brett Hansen, uh, Cal Murata, Candice Morphis. <laughs> He's mad at me for me shitting on him for his new special coming up. Uh, Lorel Ray, she's always listening, always, always great about yeah. us down in Tampa, Florida. Greg Hebert, uh, so many other people. Azel Rivera, he's always great. chiming in. We love him. Wesley Hoffman, Tyson Evans. Uh, Glenn from Australia. We sent him a shirt as well. Yeah. Uh, Brian Dennis, uh, Christine, Charles, uh, Farad, obviously. Everybody that keeps listening, keep writing, listening. We still have a few more Dojo t-shirts. If you write a review online, tweet it to me, and I will send you a gentleman's Dojo t-shirt. And we will have Mark Ellis back. Because yeah. I do want to explore some... Because th- I've been going down this rabbit hole lately of all these Superman cuts, and I do want to... I, I want to bring you back on, Okay. I love you, Mark Ellis. Mark Ellis, where can everybody keep in touch with you? Uh, at Mark Ellis Live on Twitter. We got the Schmodown Live on March 15th at the El Portal Theater right here in North Hollywood. Very nice. And Mark is part of uh, a Van Halen tribute band. <laughs> the Atomic Bunch! <laughs> yeah, all right. So we're going to keep out in touch with you? Uh, at Canon Comedy, you and I will yep. be in Salt Lake City next weekend doing Wise Guys. Yeah, and then New York City, Gotham, a lot of cities coming up. Look it up at... Uh, you know, on the web, international website. Okay, bye.